It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover podcast wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24 7 sports network and that is home field apparel what is home field apparel you guys the premium collegiate apparel brand out of indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history home field digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos mascots and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school obviously one of their most popular collections is the auburn collection now Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, It's a great, great piece of of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code AUBURNUNDERCOVER. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here on this glorious Wednesday evening by Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell. We are almost into our second week of Auburn fall practices. They just wrapped up their fifth preseason practice today. Um, so I guess once they get into the seventh one, I guess that would mark the first week. Anyway, they reported last Thursday, so we're about to... Have been a week since then. Um, learned a lot in that time. I've realized that we haven't touched base with y'all um, since then about some of the stuff that we've that we've observed. We've been on YouTube and obviously been on the website and all that kind of stuff. But uh, wanted to bring a little bit of an update to y'all's podcasting feed. Um, and so, uh, Jason, you know, we'll start where everybody wants us to start and where everybody has been starting every single day. Um, and that's for the microscope on the quarterback competition. I think now over the past couple of days, particularly this morning, we we're in the indoor. You're starting to see those reps get split a little bit. And it was Harson on yesterday talking about him on uh, on Tuesday. That would be said. It really won't be until after that second scrimmage. So not even the scrimmage this this Saturday. You know, you'll start to see separation there. But he said it's really going to be that second scrimmage where they'll start to to start to branch off the reps. Maybe give one guy. Um, you know, dedicated amount of, of first team reps, but um, we've seen a little bit of good 
from everybody. Um, seen a little bit of bad from everybody, but I, I, you and I are talking about it today. Um, you know, it's we got a long ways to go, but um, it seems like the the presumed favorite at the position has not necessarily been the most, for whatever it's worth, has not been the most accurate, at least from what we have seen in the first few days. Of camp. Yeah, you know, we, we'll get a, a small window of kind of what, what these guys look look like. So you get a a, a taste of it, and you're right, there's been some inconsistency from. Zach Calzada, you know, from, you know, really all those guys, to be quite honest, if you're just throwing the football and you're just kind of taking reps and throwing to wide receivers and doing those things, TJ Finley throws as catchable a ball as anybody on the roster does. I mean, he, he can deliver the football and do those things, but obviously there's much more to it than just throwing the football. Um, if, 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 if that was the case, then, you know, Jeff George and some of these old guys, they would have been the greatest quarterbacks ever. But there's more to it than just throwing the football. And, um, you know, Zach Calzada's the guy in there. We've seen Robbie Ashford get the mix and in, into some reps. And that's the thing for me is is you got to start to narrow things down. And you can't have a four-quarterback race. And it's really difficult to have a three-quarterback race. And so I think that's the first step is, you know, how quickly you can narrow that thing down to a couple of guys and, and start to give them some reps you know, we see Robbie Ashford in the mix. Uh, you know, Holden Garner, I think, is going to be a guy. Um, but at this point, it, you know, it sure looks like it's, it's three guys that are going to be really, you know, involved in, in the race for the starting quarterback job. And how quickly you can get that to two. Um, you know, Mark, that's that's always a question in camp because there's only so many reps that can go around. Yeah, you're right about that. And particularly in modern camp where they don't really have as much preseason time on the field with the players a, a lot less than say in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the early 2000s. So, uh, um, yeah, I agree with you, Jason, probably need to narrow it down pretty soon. Um, probably they'll have a pretty good idea after the first scrimmage, which way they want to go with this. It's interesting. I asked the head coach about uh, Zach Calzada <laughs> And uh, he sort of answered a little more than I was expecting him to answer about uh, him not being all that off to a great start in practice. And uh, that's not really where I was going with the question, but uh, that's where it went. And, uh, uh, you know, I think he's still the guy I would pick to be the, the number one, but it's still an open race right now. T.J. Finley always looks good out there in practice, throwing with nobody getting ready to hit him. It's game situations are different, and um, so who knows? They're not going to really get hit in the scrimmage, so I'm not sure that's a real great evaluation. It's a better evaluation than just a regular practice. Um, you know, you and I really like Robbie Ashford. I think Nathan likes him too because of his athletic ability. He was the spring game most valuable player. And uh, he's got that extra dimension with his legs. And, you know, Nathan, I'm really curious to see if they're going to put in a goal line package or a short yardage package uh, with Ashford as the quarterback. And, you know, the head coach has hinted that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I I just wondered how much more of a bind they might be in the coaching staff if this thing, like Jason said, it's it's hard to – Certainly, you can't really have a four-man quarterback race in the fall. It's hard to have a three-man race. But if all of these guys keep just sort of progressing, and and Jason, I think you mentioned in the offseason, that's not to have hyperbole, but like that's your nightmare scenario. Yes, where worst case, one guy, one guy does not separate himself. Yes, it's worst case scenario. You're right. Um, 
because you, you got to find some way to to you know for somebody to distinguish themselves from the other uh, and if nobody does that um, then I mean it's not it's not the greatest thing in the world you, you could go into to Mercer and I, I fully believe I've been saying it the whole time I fully believe we're going to see two quarterbacks playing against Mercer with the game on the line like like early on I think you're gonna I just think you're gonna have to see those guys as Mark said you can see something in the scrimmage and obviously they'll they'll have some goal line situations and and you know third long situations and coming off your own goal like they'll do all these things in practice in addition to scrimmages so they'll have a lot of information about these guys but there's just nothing like getting out there taking snaps doing those reps and um, every year is different. This is a different team than it was last year. It's a different, you know, feel for an offense. Um, you're going to have different guys outside. Everything about it is different than it was the end of the year last year. So if you got a couple of guys, um, you know, this should be an opportunity to where you can go out there and go, look, let's, let's let somebody, you know, take it over and run with it against Mercer. Cause that's, you're right. If nobody does that in, in the next week and a half, two weeks, then you're starting to to get up to to some serious crunch time to where you need to start preparing for a football game, and you know people say, "Well, it's just Mercer," but it's it's preparation for a season when you start to get in game week because you're starting to put in, you know, kind of things that you're going to be, especially in in this game, um, you better put in things that that you're going to use all year long. That's where you're going to start with a base plan against Mercer. So, you need to have a pretty good idea of where things start at the quarterback position. Right now, um, obviously, I haven't had a scrimmage yet. One coming up Saturday, um, it's still very much to be decided. Yeah, like you said, I mean, there's only so many reps to go around. There are even less reps when you start closing in the window of available practices. And um, you know, again, not again, reeling back any in any hint that we are possibly, you know overreacting to anything you know, again it's very early in fall camp this is just the assessment but this is this is the way things are right now um we're not seeing a ton of separation in this quarterback battle again we're not out there for the entirety of practice but i will say guys you know, especially with the the feedback from the assistant coaches today the offensive assistants that we talked to defensive assistants will be on thursday everything from the the quarterback competition to um, you know, the offensive line stuff we've seen, wide receivers, even that day in practice on on Tuesday where we were out there and we all of us were kind of like, oh, this, this is a shaky day in terms of in terms of you know receiver to quarterback connection. Um, none of that has been disputed by any of the coaches. You know, it seems like Harson came in yesterday and talked about, yeah, you know, we weren't catching the ball very well. Um, me and Mark were with Ike Hilliard for a little bit, the wide receivers coach today. He called it their worst day so far. Now, granted, it's only you know the fifth day, but he said in terms of you know, the hookups and whether they had got their hands on the ball. Of course, you know, some things don't constitute a drop. You know, it's not always on the receivers. But, uh, Mark, I, I guess I'll use that as a segue to talk a little bit about our conversations with the offensive assistants because those are always some of the, the best stuff to come out of camp. Um, and you and I both came away. I mean, Ike Hilliard is, uh, is a very, very good interview, not just because, you know, A, he gives good stuff, but – be just very very genuine definitely doesn't pull any uh definitely doesn't pull any punches i mean he he, he said about 20 minutes in this is probably the last time i'll talk to you guys because he thought i mean he thought he was being too real and too honest about uh about some stuff but one of the things he did hit on was talking about that that day on tuesday he said yeah you know we that's 
while there's a quarterback battle going on for us to be as inconsistent as we were on that day, it's, it's completely unacceptable again, just one day, but, but that, that group knows how important they are to this quarterback race. Oh, you're right. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot more guys to work with now. He's got five newcomers and, uh, you know, one of the things that really got my attention was he seemed to be thoroughly, um, excited about as excited as I kill your kids, I think, about the newcomers because he thinks they're all working hard. Uh, he's got two transfers in um, from other uh, major D1 programs and three true freshmen. And, uh, you know, Camden Brown, one of the big freshmen at a St. Thomas Aquinas down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, off a state championship team who put up really good numbers there. Man, he looks like he might be physically ready to play. And, you know, I think I kill your likes in Nathan, and uh, I think he likes some of the other guys too that are coming around. So, you know, last year the numbers there there weren't a lot to choose from at times, particularly when some guys got banged up. But you know, the wide receiver room is deeper this year. There's more different types of, of guys. I still think they need to come up with one or two really good deep threats, and if they do that. Well, the offense is going to really get a lot better because, you know, the head coach has been uh, harping on the need to increase the number of explosive plays, whether you define it as a 15-yard-plus play, 20-yard-plus play. You know, those are the kind of plays that are really uh, needed. You know, we were talking uh, to Will Friend, the offensive line coach, and he was talking about last year they played Georgia, and they had like, this drive, really good drive, 17 plays, 18 plays like that, and they settle for a field goal. He said that it's hard to do against a good defense. Something's likely to go wrong. Somebody's likely to mess up. And um, he said, you know, he was he was saying, let's have a big play where somebody doesn't get tackled at the five-yard line. Let's get the end zone. And, and uh, that makes a lot of difference for an offense. And, you know, one of Ike Hilliard's jobs is – to make those big plays more prevalent. And, uh, you know, he's a stickler for details. If he wants a route run 12 yards and then go 45 degrees inside or outside, he doesn't want it 42 degrees. He doesn't want it done at 10 yards. And, um, you know, that's a, a big deal for the quarterbacks too. They got to trust the receivers are going to be in the right place at the right time. And you got to get this kind of stuff figured out right now because, uh, once you get into the season, um, you've got a game plan a lot. Your time for preparation is really cut down because of the 20-hour rule. So this is a big time for Ike Hilliard to get his five newcomers and the other guys all you know, incorporated into the offense. Yeah, some of that NFL background from him coming through today when he was talking about a good perspective on the quarterback race. He said he told his guys, look, I was in the NFL for 12 years. I caught passes from 14 different quarterbacks. He was like, so you don't need to worry about who's back there throwing. He said, you know, of course, you know, have the wherewithal to know that, you know, something you mentioned, he said is Robbie Ashford throws the ball a lot harder than the other two guys probably on, on shorter routes. You know, he said, you know, obviously you've got to be aware of that. You got to be aware of, you know, maybe some, some deep ball tendencies that each of them have. But he was like, in terms of going and making the play, he said, look, no knock on those guys, but like I could go back there and throw it like it should be I, anybody can throw the ball to these receivers and they should be able to to bring the ball in. And so he he did say that they bounced back in a, in a big way um, on Wednesday. And we saw that out there is the first day for us at the indoor facility. Um, some impressive catches. We learned that Camden Brown, who 
That name keeps coming up over and over again. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with him in scrimmage settings as camp goes on. Do we continue to hear his name pop up? Because um, Caleb Wooden in the spring, he was kind of the you know the favorite there. He was kind of the, the standout player overall. Um, that's where he made his hay. I mean, in 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 scrimmage settings, going against guys, getting a lot of turnovers and stuff like that. Will Camden Brown be that same player on the offensive side as a freshman? Uh, Jason, we were having a I thought it was, a, it was a good conversation this morning um, in the complex about, you know, the opportunity for those receivers. And um, you brought up a good point, you know, talking about Kobe Hudson last year. You know, he looked like the guy and he he, he looked like, you know, obviously you talked about, you know, you're, you, you watched him all throughout his career. He's capable of being that guy, but he emerged during the season. And so he, he was a really big loss. Um, but at the same time, one of those guys is probably waiting in there to to emerge this season. The thing is, now you look at their current situation, they might need a couple of those guys to have to have those kinds of years where they go from somebody that, you know, good recruit, good, good prospect, whatever looks good in the program to being a very productive SEC receiver. <clears throat> yeah, they better be one of those guys, uh, at least one. Um, if you're Auburn right now, you need a couple of those guys. You're right. And going back to a little bit to, to what you know we were talking about, what Mark mentioned about big plays. Um, last season, passing plays of, of 50 yards or more. Auburn had two. Two passing plays of 50 yards or more. That was tied for 92nd nationally. Here's some of the teams that were, that were tied with. Auburn was tied with Arizona, Army, Ball State, Buffalo, Colorado, Illinois, UMass, uh, New Mexico, Oregon State, Stanford, who was you know, terrible. What's interesting is Texas A&M is also tied right there with two. Uh, meanwhile, you look at the top, Ohio State, Florida International was number one with 15. Ohio State, two. I mean, they had 12. Alabama had 11. Um, you start looking at, at some of the, the, the keys for this thing. Michigan had nine. And, and people think about Michigan as a, well, that's a grounded pound. You know, they're just going three yards in a cloud of dust. They had nine passing plays over 50 yards last year. Auburn had two. Um it's really hard. It's really hard in, in the Southeastern Conference to line up and, and and drive the ball 16 plays and score touchdowns. They got to have some big plays out of the offense. And this is a, a very capable wide receiver group. There's a lot of numbers, a lot of athletic guys. Um, can you find those guys and, and can you find a couple of those guys that that but can take it from uh they're they've been pretty good to hey, throw me the ball. I think about I think about Darvin Adams in 2010. He, he, he started developing kind of that in 2009. And in 2010, he became a guy that said, you know what, I don't care. I can be double covered. Whatever it is, just throw me the football. I'll make a play. Um, do they have that guy on this roster? I don't know. We haven't seen him yet. Um, but they need to find somebody in that role because it's, you know, quarterback obviously is huge. But if they don't find some guys out there wide receiver – then, then you know the quarterback. No matter who it is, is, is going to have going to have some tough times. Hey, Jason, uh, tell us about Omari Kelly. Uh, uh, Ike Hilliard had a lot of good things to say about the true freshman. That's a guy you saw play multiple times in high school. Yeah, Omari is a guy that I, I think I saw the the first game of his junior year, um, and he was playing safety and and came up had interception, a big hit uh, in a game against Pennsylvania Valley and. Honestly, when I first saw him, I thought he, he might be better suited to be a defensive back. Um, but his ball skills are there. You look at him, and I think that shows up in his game because he's a competitor and he's 
he didn't back down. And um, when you come out of Hewitt Trustful, you know, one thing you're playing for Josh Floyd, you're going to throw the football and you're going to have good hands. I mean, look, and there's three Hewitt Trustful wide receivers on this roster. Javaris Johnson has been here for a while. Zayla Worsham's now at Auburn after transferred from Miami. And Elmar Kelly. You got three wide receivers from the same high school uh, that are on this roster. And, um, you know, no coincidence, those guys have grown up throwing the football in that system. They learned that system from, you know, the time they're getting going. Um, they spread the field, throw it. They want to run it too. It's, um, you know, he's, he's a Gus Malzahn guy uh, going way back. Josh Floyd is. And so, um, but they want to spread it and get it out. But Omar Kelly, really good hands. Um, a guy that understands route running and, and those things. And, um, coming from a program where he's had to work, this is, it's, it's kind of the difference in, in looking, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter if a guy's just a freak athlete, it doesn't matter where he's from. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who he's played against for a lot of guys. The, the, the sharpening of their skill set helps them be prepared earlier because they've had to play really good competition. If you're playing in the state of Alabama and you're, I mean, it's seven, eight football, the region with, you know, Thompson, Hoover, Hewitt Trustful, um, you know, those schools to start with, but Oak Mountain's in there, Spain Park's in there. Um, you survive that region and play against those guys week in and week out, and, and you've you've earned your stripes. It's like, you know, being in this region with Auburn and Central and uh, Enterprise, and, and, and now Opelika joins that group, and you're looking at, at you know, Prattville and some of them. When you come out of those places, you're, you're ready to go. And so Amar Kelly – not a surprise to see him jumping out there ready to go. And I, I think, you know, Will Friend said it. We've heard another coach has said it. There's there's not they're not starters right now. There's guys that are running with the first team. And um I, if, if these young guys go out there and say, look, I'm ready to go and I'll make plays and I'll be consistent, then I don't think I kill you're afraid to play those guys at all. Yeah, I don't I don't think I kill your uh I it sounds. It sounded like from today. Uh, you know, I don't know if tough love is is the right word, but it seems like he's he's got his ideals for that group, and he's and he knows you know how successful they could be, and however it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I mean, he he's he's going to make it work. Um, Jason, you were talking about Will Friend. That's that's probably the position that we've seen most for a couple of different reasons at the beginning of camp. Do that swapping that you talked about. Um, guys moving all over the place today. We learned from from Will Friend that one of the reasons for that is that Keandre Jones had a minor injury at the start of at the start of camp. He said he'll be fine for tomorrow. He came back and practiced today, just kind of in a limited role. But he said afterwards that Keandre told him that you know he feels fine, he'll be ready to go. Um, obviously, they're they've been in shells for a couple of days now, but that's a group where, boy, I mean, you had a couple guys come up and Cam Stutz obviously has gotten. Again, I'm, gonna, I'm putting quotations with the ones that this is like quarterback. Things are going to get broken down a little bit more in terms of reps as we go along. But, um, you know, Tate Johnson has, has really stuck out. He's, again, with the ones, has gotten some work. Um, and there's been a lot of shuffling, too. We've seen Brandon Council move in and take reps at center. Um, you know, we've seen Alec Jackson play both spots. We thought maybe he would just be competing at right tackle. That might be the case at the very end, but he's working at, at the number two right guard. Um, this is a group that's still... Still trying to figure things out. Obviously, the the Keandre injury threw things out of whack a little bit, but but should be back now. And again, that that's something they do not want. They don't want any part of any of those injuries because of what they had to deal with in spring practice. This is uh, Will Friend is 
old school offensive line coach played for old school offensive line coaches. And this is what old school offensive line coaches do early in camp. <clears throat> they prepare for the worst. Um, this is preparing for the worst right now. This is preparing to, to see what do I do if I need a second right guard, a third left guard, who can I move in? And the good news for this team is, is that you got a couple of Swiss army knives right now. Alec Jackson is a Swiss army knife. He's played pretty much everywhere. I think he'll settle in at guard. That's, you know, Wilfred said, you know, that probably going to settle in at right guard or one of those guard spots. And I think that's probably the, the, the right move for him. But Austin Troxell has played both guard and tackle. You look at Brandon Council can play both guards and center. Um, we've seen Jaleel Irvin and Tate Johnson play both center and guard. And now Avery Jernigan has stepped up his play in a big way, getting some number two reps at, the, at, at center. And so it allows you to, to move some other guys around. Cam Stutz can play both guard positions. I mean, you got a lot of versatility. And so that's a, that's a good thing right now early, but you got to start settling in. And, you know, you got to get Keandre Jones back healthy, you know, for a guy that was coming on so much in the spring, you know, he had that minor knee injury to end spring, missed some valuable time there, and now kind of slowed to start camp. Um, you know, they need to get him back out there settled in because uh, he's he's one of the more important pieces of this offensive line because he's such a physical run guy. I, we've heard it. They want to be physical. They want to run the football. To do that at their best, I think you look and, and Keandre Jones needs to be in there, but pretty interesting to hear – Will friend talk about Cam Stutz, Mark. Cam Stutz is a guy that we watched twice take a bus down to Auburn's camp to earn an offer, and then he came back to do it. He 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 is old school, developmental, wait my time guy. And Will friend said he's a mauler and he can't show what he can do until they put the pads on. That sounds like a guy that would fit the the mantra of what they want to be as an offensive lineman. Um, he's massive. He's a big guy. And, I mean, Brandon Council has a ton of experience, but I'm not counting out Cam Stutz to, to maybe slide in that left guard position at some point and him and Keandre Jones be side, you know, side by side at those guard spots. That could be really interesting. And I'll say this, nobody would have earned it more than, than Cam Stutz if he gets in there and gets a start, uh, you know, this season. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, he definitely is very high on Cam Stutz right now. And this is probably about as competitive as offensive line situation, you know, before first scrimmage. As I remember in a while, Jason, uh, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities on who lines up where. I think it's probably pretty certain that Austin Troxel will, will start at tackle and and, uh, and Zyre will, will start the other tackle. But, uh, you know – even the offensive line coach said, hey, they still got things they need to work on and get better at. But uh, those are some old dudes. And uh, Troxel, good grief. Uh, it's been a long time since he's been on our radar, since uh, state championship game or even before then, his sophomore year when uh, uh, at Jersey yeah. Stadium when Carrion Johnson and those boys uh, won the state title. It was a very impressive game. And, he was the biggest kid on the field, and I think he was probably just like 15 or 16 years old at that time. So, uh, um, you know, I think these guys are getting tired of hearing they were the weak link last year on offense and, and want to do something about it. Physically, they look good. They've obviously spent a lot of time in the weight room this summer and talking to a couple of those guys. They said uh, 
they've tried to own the weight room is what, what they said. And uh, it looks like a sort of an old school, big butt style offensive line group. And uh, I'm curious to see how that works. Yes, that's uh, I thought that was a great quote from Will Friend and just kind of some perspective on how you have different ki- different kinds of guys in your room. Not everybody is is cut from the same cloth at every position group saying like Stutz is a guy where at this beginning part before you put the pads on, you know, not that he's meandering through anything, but he he's a physical guy. He's a mauler. He's somebody that they you know that once the pads go on, that's when you really start to see his impact, whereas, you know, other guys might be you know, stronger in other areas. Yeah, so Keandre Jones back now, like Jason mentioned, that's huge for them. Um, 19 straight starts for him. He's been a guy who's avoided injuries in the main part of the season, in the regular season. Um, that's allowed him to be the most consistent offensive lineman for them in terms of games played over the last uh, over the last couple seasons. So along the defensive side of the ball, actually, I want to get to this first. We saw their return men um, in practice today. That was something that we we're watching. Um, we're joking that I guess you have to wear number six and under to be uh, to qualify to be a return because <laughs> you had the you had the two number sixes. You had Keontae Scott um, and you had Javarius Johnson. You have Jay Fair at number five. You have Tank Bixby at number four. Make sure I get them all. You had Chick Dawson, Tavares Dawson at number three, and then uh, Donovan Kaufman there at number one. And and, and Coy Moore zero. And Coy Moore zero. I I forgot about forgot about had to go all the way down to zero. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yes. interesting, Jason, to see uh, not only Brian Harson. I, I I always think that that punt return drill is really fun to watch, where where you know you make them get flat on their back until you tell them to pop them and get the ball. Um, but Cadillac Williams getting active too in the in the return game, getting out there and and helping while while the you know other special teams coaches are working with the, the specialists, the kickers on the other side. Um, yeah, no that seems maybe a little insignificant here at the beginning of camp, but I mean, it's, it's the first time we've gotten to see this group. We knew Jay fair was in it um, in the spring. Seems like that's going to continue um, for him. I do wonder because they were just kind of doing punt stuff, but I wonder if tank is included in that group or maybe just be kickoffs for him. Maybe, maybe a guy like Kaufman as well, just kickoffs, but um, boy, with how much we've heard about Tavares Dawson, this, this preseason um, would not surprise me if, if he's a guy who's able to, to make an impact there because like Ike Hilliard said today, it's those guys who are kind of bred and wired to be return men that kind of end up being your big playmaking receivers when they, when they're taking snaps on offense. Yeah. You know, and Javaris Johnson actually did a pretty good job last year in the limited time he has yeah. mm-hmm. as a punt returner. He's really sure handed. He's got experience. And, you know, I think that's going to be one of the keys. It, it always comes down to catching the ball first. Um, and I thought, I thought um, Javarius and, and Coy Moore were probably the two guys that, that made it look as effortless. It, you know, it's not just, hey, I caught it 100% of the time. Well, if one of them you caught above your head because you misjudged it, that doesn't that necessarily make the coaches feel much better that you caught it, even, even though you might have. Um, those two guys were, were easy, um, and, and that's that's the first step. Um, Javarius is quick and and, and – I think, you know, he was a guy that did some good things last year. I, I think he'll be a guy that'll be in the mix. I think you're right about Tank. I think he's just in in that return group. Um, I'm not so certain that, you know, based on, you know, what, who I've talked with anyway, I'm not so certain he's going to be really involved in the kickoff returns either, which would be, I think, great news for 99.9% of Auburn fans going into this year if they don't see Tank back there returning kickoffs. Um 
Now, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett is a very valuable piece of this team, but that dude has touchdown written all over him when he returns kickoffs. And so that's a little bit different story for me. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the first look there. And, uh, while we're, while we're sitting here on special teams, I, I do want to, I want to bring up Alex McPherson, um, Fort Payne, the true freshman for folks that are golfers. Um, it, infuriates me to watch Justin Thomas and Roy McElroy, the guys that are five, eight, 160 pounds, hit a golf ball, like 350 yards. Well, Alex McPherson, it, he looks like Anders Carlson's little nephew. Um, but when he kicks the ball, it sounds like a shotgun. I mean, like he yeah. <laughs> absolutely kills the ball. Um, and we set the state record last year with field goal, 61 yards. He, he gets the ball up quick. Obviously, good bloodlines with his brother Evan kicked at Florida, is now with the, the Cincinnati Bengals, and um, in very good hands, Auburn kicking is for the for the future. I mean, he's he's a guy that's going to be really good. Um, obviously, he gets to to kind of you know, provided he doesn't win the job and beat out Anders Carlson, he gets to sit and do what Anders did, what Daniel Carlson did, and the guys before him, which is have a year to watch a veteran do the job and. Um, he can be fun to watch. Uh, you know, I just I enjoy watching him kick the ball. Yeah, it's big for them that apparently Anders, I mean, we've seen with that brace on. Um, but Brian Harson said Tuesday, I can't remember who asked him about it, um, but said Tuesday that he's he's out there and he's he's kicking the ball through the end zone. He said the way he put it was, you know, he, he can't get all of it into that swing right now because obviously that's his that's his plant leg that he hurt that's the, the knee on the opposite side not not the one that he kicks with but so maybe not able to be completely comfortable but a big but brian harson said was he'd still put it in the end zone on on kickoff drills and so um you know, we've, we've talked about that all off season but it'll be interesting to see like you said jason whether it's a true because a lot of people forget andres carlson he redshirted behind his right behind his brother for a year correct correct that's he, right he was on the roster but he, you know, he didn't play when daniel was here um, so will it be a situation like that where McPherson's just kind of chilling, watching, watching Carlson and getting valuable experience, or will he be kind of thrust into those early games? If, uh, if Anders isn't ready to go, I'm trying to pick my brain here. Um, y'all stop me. If there's anything else we want to touch on on defense, I will say, um, again, on Thursday, you'll probably hear this Thursday morning recording this Wednesday night, Thursday, we get the four defensive assistants. And so, um, lots of good conversations will come out of that. That's always great to provide more context. And so after that, we'll kind of do what we just did with the offense and, and run through it. Yeah, I think one of the things that just is apparent from these first viewing windows that we've had is just the number of guys on the defensive line, um, that interior defensive line. The edge position, we know what it is. But you look at that interior defensive line, and you know, a lot of it's unproven. Um you know, a lot of those guys have things they need to do. Um, it's not it's not 1988 with Tracy Rocker and Benji Rowland and where you had Pig Golf, who was a backup that played in the NFL for a long. It's not that group right now, but there's some guys that have the potential to get there. Uh, and um, no question in my mind that it's right now, as it looks, a group that's much more – looks like it's much more capable – of providing depth and keeping those frontline guys fresh um, deeper into games and deeper into season. Mark, we saw it last year. That's the difference in probably both the Mississippi State and Alabama games alone was just the, the defensive line depth and those guys wearing out the end of games. There's a, there's a bunch of bodies up there right now. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of really big ones too, Jason. You know, if you take the average um, weight of the interior defensive line guys, I can't think of a team right offhand, Auburn team, had this probably had more heavier guys or a higher, heavier average. Now, the edge rushers aren't huge, but they're bigger than they were last year. And, uh, you know, a couple guys that just look so good to me are Derek Hall and Iku Leota. Man, those guys look like they're ready to have great seasons. And, uh, um, you know, Derek Hall's a first-team preseason All-SEC selection. But uh, I got a feeling Leota's going to be up there pushing him for the sack lead. Um, and that's a good thing. And the question is, can they develop a lot of quality depth behind those guys? That's going to be a challenge. But inside, well, there's lots of guys they could play if they want to do it. Yeah, and also on uh, on defense, there's someone we've heard about a lot as a playmaker these first few days has been Keontae Scott. Obviously, he only arrived on campus, what, eight, nine days ago at this point? Something like that. I mean, even his teammates were kind of, we're kind of lifting him up and saying, look, this dude hasn't even been around us at all. He wasn't here for summer. Summer workouts was a late arrival and I believe someone said he had a pick in practice one day and just um, he was the defensive playmaker of the day or whatever, whatever you want to call that. Um, he's a guy that's taken some reps at nickel as well. We've seen that kind of that corner corner nickel hybrid um, for him. That safety spot is something that's going to be, you know, we're going to watch in terms of an individual position battle as fall camp winds down. Like, like we we're talking about with the quarterbacks, um, you know, the reps, the reps get fewer as things go on. And right now they're, they're flip-flopping guys around, but you know, you saw Caden Bridges who had a pretty good spring, really, really big athlete out there. You saw him take some reps with the, again, quote ones today. Um, we know that Craig McDonald, Brian Harson said the Iowa state transfer, you know, he has that ankle issue, uh, ankle or a foot issue that, you know, is, Seems like it's okay now, but you know he's, he kind of is getting eased into things. So maybe that'll allow a guy like a Bridges or a or a Caleb Wooden to to get in there, and make a little bit of a difference. But um, you know, really, it's going to come down to this Saturday. We're going to learn a lot more. We're going to learn who's making plays. That's when the separation will start. So I think that's that's sort of the big juncture, Jason. We're at right now is what happens Saturday night in Jordan Hare Stadium, and then the aftermath of that, what we see on the practice field the following week when they they start classes on Monday. Yeah, no, you know, well, you know, obviously the coaches will get a much better idea of things uh, after Saturday. Um, you know, Brian Harson was it really in, there was kind of an interesting wording for him. Um, how much and what we do Saturday will be dependent on what we get done this week, and so that's that was a, that was kind of interesting wording f- for me because you know normally this is a scrimmage where it might be you know a hundred plays and you want to get um, you know as many reps as possible and. You know, especially with with this many young guys, I, I you know that are newcomers. I guess uh, even though they're not young, you know, you think about you know all these defensive transfers. Um, there's there's five or six guys that that they'll be counting on to potentially provide depth. Um, potentially, you may could they work themselves into a starting role? You mentioned Craig McDonald, but you look at you know uh, you know obviously Eugene Asante at linebacker. Um, you know. Can he jump in there along with Owen Pepo? But you look up front, Mars Joseph has, you know, been a guy that has caught the attention of some guys. Marcus Bragg there at edge is a big dude. I mean, there's some guys that you start looking at. You look at, you know, DJ James at corner. Um, then obviously, you know, got two junior college transfers in the, in the secondary. Jeffrey Emba up front. 
there's there's a lot of guys that that aren't true freshmen that um, you know they're gonna get get a, a long look because this is one where you start you know it's not just quarterbacks where you have to narrow things down on that defensive line you you can't play fifteen defensive linemen who separates themselves right away to then to go okay well, who make who makes the cut to get to the next level that's gonna be the case at, at a lot of these positions and and Saturday's the starting point. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I think it happens every year that somebody that from maybe that group you just mentioned, kind of every single camp, whether it's the spring, whether it's the fall, there's always somebody that when that then that first step chart comes out, you're like, whoa, that guy really, really made a name for himself, really, really bumped up. I remember two years ago, not that Colby Wooden was we know we all knew what Colby Wooden might become. Um, but when he earned that starting defensive line job, we were like, whoa, you know, that's a, that's a that's a big jump for a guy over the span of, you know, the previous six months or something like that. So so one of those guys that you just mentioned, probably at the end of this, this entire thing, you know, whether it's because of the work in practice, whether it's because he was really consistent to scrimmage, um, one of those guys is going to end up jumping somebody and, and getting some good playing time. Because like you said, Jason, there, there's on the defensive side of the ball, we we're talking about this for recorded. Um, they've got a lot more guys over there, a lot more dudes. There's just too many guys that you just mentioned for one of them to not not be a good playmaker for them this season. Yeah. Like they had last and, year with like a Leota. And I, yeah, and I didn't mention Jason Jones. I forgot about the, the biggest guy in the middle. Um, I mean, he's a massive, massive defensive lineman. Um, you know, looks more like an offensive tackle for these guys that can move. And so um, yeah, I know it's you know, Mark, we've seen a bunch of these situations and um it's narrowing down time across the board, isn't it? Throw in Jeremiah Wright. He's another yeah. big dude. On the defensive front, it, it it really is. It's it's there, there's so many of those guys that you look at it. Nathan, you mentioned Colby Wooden two years ago. Marcus Harris last year may have been as big a surprise as I can remember that he jumps in there and starts right away from Kansas. And um, there'll be somebody, um, you know, who that is. I don't know. It wasn't you, Rich. Caden Bridges is a guy that you look at and you go, man. There's something about him that looks like a. Just a, we know he was a great baseball player. He's a big time athlete, kind of growing into it a little bit. That safety spot is just so intriguing to me because of the different types of bodies that you got back there. I mean, you look at look at Zion Puckett and Mark Zion Puckett as looks like a, a middle linebacker compared to the guy that was playing wide receiver when you when you play in high school. He's just a big dude. Craig McDonald's a big guy. This could. I mean, you could have two safeties that are as big as the two starting linebackers on this defense if, if they don't watch out. Yeah, the um, you know, I think the secondary has got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, they're going to miss Smoke Monday, and they're definitely going to miss Roger McCreary. But uh, if they get it sorted out, they get two guys to come in and play the nickel, and at least one of those guys is really good at covering quick slot receivers. I think they'll be in pretty good shape back there. And, uh, you know, they need some help from the pass rush. The outside pass rush should be fine. Last year, the inside pass rush left a lot to be desired. Now, maybe a Marcus Harris can step up in that area. He's got potential. He really looks good physically. I've heard a lot of good things about his offseason conditioning and strength improving, improving in his quickness. So, you know, I don't know who else, maybe Sakevius Walker, somebody like that inside can step up as a pass rusher. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, moving parts out there right now. It's pretty funny that um, 
you know, early on in the off season around early, early February, really when that stuff with Harson was going down, it was like after Marquise Robinson had transferred, of course he's back now, you know, after JJ Pagisa transferred, Dre Butler was out of there. There's several other names I hadn't thought about. There was a moment where it was like, man, this, this D line might not have enough dudes to be able to, obviously they've got enough for a rotation, but you want more depth behind that. And as we're sitting here, like you said, Jason, when you look at them in practice, when you just look at the position group in terms of their numbers, um, it's just crazy how many how many names are in there. I mean, there's just so much talent um, behind those primary guys. Like Zykevis Walker is a guy that that Mark just mentioned. That's somebody who we haven't talked about at all since campus started, and he's a former top 100 recruit. Marquise Robinson, I think he was like the number three recruit in their previous class. I mean, really highly rated guy, like a like a you know, top 150, top 200 guy out of Florida. And so, like you said, it's. It just keeps going on and on for that group. And again, somebody like a Marcus Harris, maybe not coming in and starting because there was that opportunity for, for Marcus, but somebody's going to jump up um, there and have a good season. And so that'll be really interesting to see what happens with them over the course of the uh, of the preseason. I think so far it seems like maybe a Jason Jones and I mean Jason Jones could be the starter at nose. Um, yeah. But Emba has also been the – it seems like – he doesn't look like a newcomer out there. Things are just kind of clicking for him. He's he's healthy now. He's a freak athlete. It seems like those are the two guys, at least that I've noticed. It seems like they've they've filled in pretty nicely. Already. I, I, I think I think physically for him, by you look at him physically, when you look at the things he can do, athleticism, size, the the keys for me is going to be what what does he do when the the pads come on and it's you know it's pad level. It's using your hands. Um, can you do it for four or five plays in a row and, and learn the, you know, just golly, there's so much to learn for a guy that hadn't played a ton of football. And, you know, we talk about it in basketball terms, a guy like Johan Traore, he's only played good basketball for a few years, but you know, the, the finer points of the game in basketball, yeah, you got to learn how to be more physical and do those things. But the, the, it's a world of difference just from junior college football to playing in the sec on the line of scrimmage. Um, and it's so hard that first year. I just think back to to Nick Fairley. It took Nick Fairley to to the bowl game of his first year back, um, you know, at a junior college to where you went, okay, that that looks like something right there. Um, and, and Nick Fairley was as good. I mean, that was he had as good a year as as, as we've seen um, that next season. Emba, big, athletic, can run. How will he do when when? when they start to, to kind of run double teams and do some of those things at him, I think it's going to take a little while, but it's there. You look at it and, and he's got everything you're looking for. Yeah. As long as he, uh, as long as he can get on board with, with doing the defensive playbook in, uh, in English numbers, that was a pretty funny story. I don't think we've talked about on here so far. Uh, Jeffrey Umbaugh was a guy that was a big character. You could just tell from stuff in the off season or those videos or whatever. And uh, his teammates talked about the first couple of days, just he's kind of funny without knowing it because he'll get up in a team meeting and, and yell at everybody, but they don't really understand what he's saying. So they, they're, they're laughing. And then apparently he was talking to the coaches and the teammates and he was, they were working on something or whatever. And um, he was writing out his numbers in French. And they were like, dude, you cannot do that. We have, we have no idea what you're, what you're, what you're writing here. Um, so, yeah, but uh, yeah, in terms of on the field, Seems like he's he's settled in there nicely. Yeah, like Jason said, it'd be interesting to see um, once the pads come on. It won't be long before we're talking about uh, them them strapping the pads on in the preseason. Of course, they've got shells on right now. They'll do that for a little while longer, um, and then things really start to get 
heated up once they get into contact stuff. So uh, anyway, we're up against the clock here. I think we've uh, been going for about 45 minutes. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this little bit of a recap of where we're at. Again, almost a week into fall camp. We will get together after the defensive assistance. We will blend. The next episode will be um, touching on them and everything, you know, all the updates they've had. And also looking ahead, what we'll be watching for um, in Saturday's scrimmage. And then, of course, I believe it's 8.25 p.m. is when uh, is when Brian Harson's scheduled to talk with us after the scrimmage. So uh, it'll be it'll be a Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium um, for us. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the quarterbacks, all the other positions we just talked about um, as fall camp rolls on for Auburn. So thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, please go leave us a five-star review. Number one thing that helps us out. Intro and outro music, you know it. It's Beats by Mordecai. Follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. All the fall camp coverage, you guys. We've been going crazy every single day. It's a lot of good stuff. AuburnUndercover.com. Go check it out. We've got you covered um, top to bottom. So thank you so much for listening. And everybody have a great rest of the week. Bye.